Good morning and welcome to Jew in the City Speaks with your host, Allison Josephs, also known as Jew in the City. I've got to say this is a pretty exciting interview that we're doing today and it's actually uh, part one of a two-part series. As an organization, we were founded because of a frustration that I personally felt about representation of Orthodox Jews specifically in media. Uh, my personal background, if you haven't heard it before, is that I was raised as a proud conservative Jew. I didn't know any Orthodox Jews in real life. Um, and really the information that I had about them was garnered from the media, which captured the crooks, creeps, and extremists of the community, the most dysfunctional and abusive, abusive stories of the community, really the worst that the community had to offer. And it wasn't until I started to meet Orthodox Jews in my teenage years and saw real people up close that I saw that there were so many happy people, so many healthy people, so many people living quiet, good lives with meaning and purpose that don't get captured um, in traditional media. And so it was with that sort of mission um, to change the narrative of how Orthodox Jews are depicted that Jew in the city began, because I felt like as a proud Jew, who I considered myself to be an educated person, I was so ignorant of my fellow Jew. I was um, held so much judgment um, and maybe even a little bit of hatred in my heart for a lifestyle that I thought was so negative, so extreme, um, when in fact there was so much beauty in that lifestyle. Now, just for a quick pause, that doesn't mean that there are not people who don't experience pain and dysfunction and abuse within an orthodox setting. It doesn't mean that uh, Jewish traditions can't be used in an abusive way, but when things are done in a healthy and uh, you know functional way, um, a Jewish life is meant to be a happy and beautiful life. Fast forward a bunch of years, Jew in the city got involved in Jewish representation in general. We discovered uh, about a year and a half ago that every minority group, but the Jewish community had been advocating in most cases for decades, uh, directly to studios for better representation, authentic representation, nuanced representation. And this made me start to notice Jewish representation in general. And what I saw in a lot of examples were tropes, stereotypes, cartoonish uh, depictions of Jews on TV shows, on movies. And what that ends up happening from that is that not only does it increase uh, dislike, hatred, bad feelings for people outside the community, uh, dehumanizing us, increasing the possibility of violence, which is um, at an all-time high right now in the U.S. Um, it also creates a lot of shame, a lot of um, self-hatred um, when we see ourselves on the screen um, in cartoonish ways um, as the butt of jokes as the cheap one, as the greedy one, as the conniving one. And so with that long intro, the show Jewish Matchmaking on Netflix um, did something quite historic. Um, it airs today, the, the premiere is today, May 3rd. Um, and I have never seen before um, Jews depicted with so much diversity, with so much nuance, with so much uh, humanity. Um, and so today we have um, a producer and consultant, Ronit Pauline Tarshish, um, with us today to talk about um, her role in this uh, fabulous show. So Ronit, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. Um, so we've actually known each other uh, for a few years now. Um, before we get into your role on this show, I'd love to, you know, uh, 
let our audience know more about who you are and where you come from, because one of the things that we've learned, you know, uh, since the launching of the Jew in the City Hollywood Bureau is that um, specificity matters when it comes to representation. Uh, we've learned so much from the other Hollywood bureaus about the type of representation they're looking for, the types of tropes they're tired of, um, and certain language they use to communicate this effectively to studios. And so something I've learned along the way is specificity matters. So, um, Ronit, you grew up in this world. You know, there is, this is a show that does Jewish representation in general, and it also has some, you know, Orthodox from, you know, Haredi representation. So what's your Jewish background growing up? And then tell us how you got into entertainment as a career. Yes, sure. And and I just want to say thank you for that incredible introduction uh, where you spoke about representation and the need for it. And I just agree so wholeheartedly with what you said. It's it's truly my mission in life as well. Um, so yes, I grew up from, I grew up fully Orthodox. Um, I think a lot of people in this field uh, might be a Baltuva. They come to Orthodoxy later in life, just straight up Orthodox from birth. Um, but I definitely grew up in like an open-minded household. Um, Philadelphia, PA, Northeast Philly. I always give a shout out to that. And I, I always loved storytelling. I always loved drama. I always loved entertainment. Um, I remember every year uh, when the Oscars were on, I would, I would envision myself, I would take a hairbrush and like make up my own Oscar speech. Uh, at, you know, eight, nine, 10 years old, I was dreamt of myself on the stage um, and I think that's kind of unique for maybe you know a, a relatively typical orthodox Jewish girl um, and uh, yeah I so I, I was um, I was typically a main part in our school plays and plays have a very outsized important role in um, the orthodox world especially the right-wing orthodox world i hate the term ultra orthodox so i'll say right-wing orthodox or very orthodox or anything but ultra which kind of makes it sound crazy like you said but um yeah then in my senior year i was asked to direct our high school play and i just i just fell in love i'm like i i just want to do more of this um i moved to new york i started writing and directing very large scale uh from plays these were uh, typically for an audience that doesn't watch TV or uh, go to movies. So this was their entertainment. So we had massive budgets and we would make five shows where a thousand women a night would come. So uh, for five nights, so we had 5,000 people um, and they were um, they were watching productions and, and plays that I had written. They were original scripts and it, it was just an incredible experience. Um, and then I said to myself, you know what, it's wonderful that we're doing all these plays, but what about a movie? Like, why don't from women have a movie that they can feel comfortable going to? So way back in 2006, I created the very first ever um, American Orthodox film for From Women by From Women. Um, I wrote, directed and produced it. And it was kind of revolutionary. I wasn't sure if I'd be put in Khairam. I always say, like, I always thought, like, either it'll be a very big, massive hit or I'll be in Khairam. Like, there's nothing in what, the what you know, was this was back in 2006. This had never been done before. Um, and Baruch Hashem, I had a lot of support from the Hasidic community and the right wing, like, yeshivish community. They were really excited to have 
kosher entertainment that, that they could watch, that they could feel comfortable watching. Um, and then my second film, my first film was called Ink. My second film was called Diamonds in the Dust. My second film opened in 70 cities in the first week. Oh, wow. It, it was um, a big hit. And I still continue to write and uh, direct plays and rent my scripts worldwide. Um, but then several years ago, uh, sort of TV came calling. Uh, a production company asked me to serve as the development producer on a new TV show. It was called Arranged. It aired for three seasons on FYI. And that was cool because it, it was the first um, ever orthodox couple on reality TV. It was the, the term arranged needs to be like taken kind of loosely, but it was about arranged marriages or traditional marriages among um, traditional cultures like we had Jewish people, we had an Indian couple, we had a gypsy couple, etc. Um, and now it's just so cool and incredible to be part of um, a new Netflix series, Jewish Matchmaking, and I'm really proud of what we did. Okay, so with your past experience in you know writing, producing, uh, consulting, how did this show come about? How, how did they find you because of a range where you, were you kind of already um, someone that uh, was out there as uh, you know an expert in this way? Um, I definitely was out there, you know, I, I had the cred and, you know, people, people knew about me, but I also personally knew Elisa Ben Shalom, the okay. uh, matchmaker on the show. And um, so it, it worked through that. Um, and yeah, my, my role was to be a uh, consulting producer. So I like to describe it like a fixer. Like if you're going to go to Thailand, you're going to want an actual Thai person to show you the landscape and help you out and explain things to you. So I was like that behind the scenes uh, person. Awesome. And, I mean, yeah. no, it's it's so important again to have that uh, specificity um, available to. Well, first of all, you know, besides the fact that the show showcases a broad range of Jews. Um, Aliza is orthodox, you know, there's an orthodox couple featured, there's, um, you know, a more modern woman, someone, I guess the word flexodox is used, you know, different uh, levels of observance. So um, the question, I guess, is in terms of um, your role, was it to make sure that like kind of the Jewish ritual things were done correctly, that uh, the Jewish uh, sort of teachings or messages were given over correctly? Like, you know, there's obviously no one Jew that can be all things at uh, all times. So the show is diverse. So is that like, how was something like that handled? Sure. So as consulting producer, I was sort of the resident Jewish expert on all things Jewish. This is a Jewish okay. show. And I really have to give credit where credit is due. The executive producers on down, like the whole team really wanted this to be accurate, authentic, positive, celebratory. That's why they hired me. Like they had the foresight to say or to realize, you know what, we're not Jewish or maybe we're not Orthodox. I mean, we have, you know, uh, we don't have uh, such a tremendous knowledge base about this. So let's bring in someone who does. And I worked straight from the very early stages of pre-production all the way through post. And what what's the process? When did you get to see it for the first time? Because when you're behind the scenes, you don't know what the final cut is going to be. And to be honest, anytime I've participated in any sort of media project that I don't have control of, it's a little bit scary to like not know how it will end up. So how long ago did you get to see this? 
so I got to see the the cuts before. Okay, it, got it. Finalized. Yeah, yeah, and and like I said, to their credit, I I was not a token. Like they really yeah. wanted to hear my opinions, and they wanted to know, and I was not shy about sharing my opinions. Um, if something was incorrect, if something um, sounded inauthentic, even if if something was just barely touching on a trope, you know, accidentally, nobody meant, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. meant, nobody had malicious intent, but sometimes people can say things and just not even realize that that can be very much misconstrued or, um, uh, you know, to make sure no one turns into a caricature. All our characters are so three-dimensional. Um, I shouldn't call them characters. I should just call right. them humans. Right, they're right. real. Yeah, they're real people. They're not characters. They're they're actual human beings with positive qualities and some negative qualities, which is perfect because that's what real it's people are like. Correct. And I want to just also say, you know, the part about people accidentally slipping into tropes. As we've been doing this work now and, you know, sort of looking for the tropes beyond Orthodox only, but Jewish tropes in general, we are finding them done, sometimes done by Jews themselves who did not mean to do this, did not want to do this. And it just wasn't on their mind. And that's why having the consultant there to notice the tropes, not just get the details right to make sure that the Shabbat candles are lit correctly, but also to make sure that no one accidentally dabbled in a trope um, is so important because correct. No character was perfect. But when I noticed them not being perfect, it wasn't because they were your typical greedy or, yeah. you know, cheap or um, maniacal, all controlling um, or jappy, like kind of none of those um, things that we think of when we think of negative stereotypical depictions of Jews. The people that had their shortcomings were for other reasons, which was such a breath. A which fresh is human. Just human shortcomings like everyone else. We saw diverse ethnicities of Jews, which was incredible. Um, we saw um, Jews that had diverse economic backgrounds, which also like Jews basically are always depicted as super wealthy. Um, oh, we're and we're also, so rich. We're just exactly, old. So. <laughs> exactly. You, you get born Jewish and they give you the, you know, the credit card, the Jewish credit card. Um, and also the religious um, diversity, um, you know, conversations about from a woman who, you know, doesn't eat bacon and the guy does. And I, I loved the conversation of sort of playfully going back and forth about there's not going to be bacon in my house. Almost um, as a point of flirtation um, where this was not a fully orthodox or observant woman, but that was a line for her. Um, and she was proud to express that. Um it's just, I, I've never seen any of this before on television. And it just felt like a celebration um, for just Jews everywhere. I think there will be so many different types of Jews, you know, Sephardic, Mizrahi, Ashkenazi, Jews of color. Um, so many Jews will be able to see themselves, you know, in a character. Um, how did you find the people? Can you talk about how you find people for a show like this? Well, first of all, I want to thank you because all your positive words, I'm taking them as personal compliments. <laughs> and because this is literally what I worked on. So it's so validating to have someone say, I see you, Roni. I see, you know, what you helped do. And it actually worked. You know, this was a long process. This was over a year and a half of work. Exactly. And you're and you're struggling. And like you alluded, alluded to earlier, sometimes you wonder, like, will it really come out the way I hope it comes out? And will it really, you know, will they really hear me? Like, you know, in the editing room. But Baruch Hashem, I, I'm 
thank you for everything that you said, because that was my goal throughout. And I'm just so proud that it came through. Um, yeah. So in terms of casting, you know, Eliza's a wizard. She's a, a top-notch shotgun. And uh, she was looking out for people who would be appropriate uh, for the show. Um, and for the daters in specific, you know, specifically for the daters that uh, came to see her. I will say, though, that um, Baruch Hashem, I was there to put at least the orthodox daters um, at ease because so many of them came to me and said, like, we would not be doing the show if there wasn't a firm producer on the show because we, sure. we don't necessarily feel safe. We For have sure. been a little bit exploited in the past, you know, as Orthodox Jews. And uh, you are vulnerable when you're coming on camera and you don't know how it's going to be edited or how it will appear, you know, in the final version. And just to know someone was there kind of looking out for them and, and making sure that uh, the final product would be positive and celebratory, that really allowed them to uh, be more at ease and feel comfortable being on the show. Yeah, I mean, I thought that would probably be, you know, one of your biggest challenges. I want to also, I'm just, this is really just uh, Ronit's compliment, um, a half hour segment. Um, I want to also just uh, note that um, the coverage of Israel, the representation of Israel was breathtakingly fresh and positive. Um, and in an age where we're being compared to Nazis, um, it was just so nice to see just happy, proud Jews living in a democratic country. Like, where um, do you see that? You just you don't. don't you, you don't see that. You you don't see that. I want to also note that reality TV often has to, you know, turn on the um, kind of crazy factor, or at least that's how it's often done in order to keep viewers watching. And usually everyone in a reality TV show is insufferable. And to be honest, <laughs> besides the fact that I was scared about Jewish representation, like people usually come up looking so awful on reality TV shows that when I heard that, you know, there was a show coming out, I was a little bit scared, not because I doubted you, but it's just like so often that's the direction that studios go in in sort of an exploitative way. And the truth is that people sign up for this and you kind of wonder, like, what's wrong with you that you signed up to be exploited in this way? And and yet, like humanity was preserved um and not only preserved but you know uh showcased um and so many sweet moments um and then the other thing that you know i want to sort of touch on here we never see or rarely see jews ending up with jews on television um and again sort of some of the learning that i'm doing kind of being in this diversity equity and inclusion space um on a fact sheet that we're working on with uh, Think Tank for Inclusion and Equity, I saw something under the black fact sheet that they want to see more examples of black women being loved, that there's not so many examples of black women, you know, being loved on film, on camera. Um, and I got to thinking about it. I think often when we see um, sort of romantic situations of Jews, if it's orthodox, a lot of times, like the husband is abusive to the woman or refusing. She, she to needs get, to escape. She, she needs, needs to, to escape. get away from this. And then, life. and then, and then she can't because the husband refuses to give her a get a Jewish divorce, or um, the Jewish man chooses the non-Jewish woman instead, um, and so the Jewish woman doesn't receive love because, you know, as a Jerry Seinfeld episode called it. Um, she's got shiksa appeal. I was thinking uh, of shiksa appeal as you're talking. <laughs> and 
if we go back literally to the first talkie movie, because I'm doing my my history lessons here, uh, the first movie that had sound was The Jazz Singer, where the Cantor's son um, ended up marrying Mary um, and leaving the tradition wow. behind. So the first time that the founders of Hollywood got a chance to put a story to sound, it was a story of the Cantor's son intermarrying um, and leaving the fold. And so, um, you know, Mad About You, uh, the characters on Friends. I mean, uh, if you think, uh, The Nanny, if you think about kind of all of the iconic Jewish characters, I don't know if a single one ever ends up with a Jew. And although my mother raised us eating bacon cheeseburgers back when we were proud conservative Jews, marrying Jewish was sort of part of this thing that I knew I had to do as continuity of the Jewish people, that we are so small, um, the world constantly tries to destroy us, and it's our duty to marry a fellow Jew, um, to keep going, to to have continuity. Um, and so it's really groundbreaking that this is a whole show about Jews of all types and stripes, um, ending up, or maybe not ending up with Jews, attempting to, uh, pursuing uh, Jewish love. And you love. see the parents, you see how important it is to the parents and even to the daters themselves. But you see exactly what you said, where the mother is like, no, 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 of course it has to be a Jewish person. Or the, the dater says, like, you know, that that's just the way it has to be. And they also, um, several of them explain, like, a fellow Jew will just get me, you know, like in ways that another person will not. And And they attempt to explain why it's so important to them. But yeah, it's an entire show celebrating love between Jews. And it's so interesting because, um, you know, I never lived every background of the Jews on the show. And the truth is that I didn't see my exact self there. Maybe one of the more secular characters match a little bit more of my conservative self, like my specific, like, you know, piece of orthodoxy, right-wing modern orthodoxy wasn't there yet, maybe in a future season, um, but it's fine. I don't need that. There's so many different ways, and you know, to be a Jew. But I think what I love about it is that, like, I could celebrate um, the older couple. I could celebrate, you know, um, the couple with tattoos. I could celebrate, you know, so many of the different um, types of Jews that are out there um, because there was like a hopefulness um, in, you know, building a Jewish future. And um, I actually was watching the episodes on Yom HaShoah, which you might think generally watching reality TV on Yom HaShoah um, would maybe not be, you know, the right, spirit, <laughs> the right spirit of the day. Um, but, you know, seeing proud Jews on screen, seeing, you know, proud, observant Jews on screen, uh, not being vilified or, you know, uh, turned into cartoons. And then seeing, you know, it's not just the people on the screen today. What I think about is the viewers at home, what that impact will be. Because what I can tell you from a micro level is that our videos that have reached, you know, millions of people, we hear stories of people all over the world that a little bit of Jewish pride or connecting to, you know, a tradition um, that they saw on screen impacted them in their real life. Um, it's the possibility, I think, um, of the Kiddush Hashem in this show is is tremendous. So we have about like, um, you know, two minutes to go. What, what, what are your thoughts? What are your hopes about yeah. um, what this means for the viewers? And then final question, what this means um, for what I hope will be a shift in how Jews are are treated when it comes to our stories being told? Right, right. I, I just agree so wholeheartedly with you. Um, every single day for over a year and a half, as I worked on the show, 
I just davened and and even verbalized that, you know, I just want to make a Kiddush Hashem. I just want to be almost like an antidote to all the negativity out there and just the uniformly negative portrayal of Orthodox Jews and the very stereotypical portrayal of Jews in general. Um, just this is why I'm working on the show. That, that's what I told myself. And that's even what I, what I told, uh, you know, the team and, and some of the daters that I had been speaking with that um, my ultimate goal is to make a Kiddush Hashem and to help change the way that Jews are portrayed in the media to be able, I, I kept thinking of uh, Tom in Iowa. You know, I like made up a name. Imagine Tom in Iowa who never met a Jew before, certainly not an Orthodox right. Jew, but maybe he never met any Jew. And right. all he sees are the Jews as the super rich people or the nerdy people or, you know, the brainiacs mm -hmm. with all this money trying to manipulate people. All he sees are caricatures and right. stereotypes and often negative uh, stereotypes. Um, and finally, he'll be able to see proud Jews, three-dimensional Jews, human Jews. Um, it's almost sad that this is something we should get so excited about. Like, really, this should just be the norm, like for other Correct. cultures and other minorities. So my hope for the future um, is that this should become the norm. I give Netflix and IPC, the production company, so many kudos Yes. saying, hey, let's bring on an actual authentic Jewish person, an Orthodox person who really knows all about Shaduchim and knows all about Jewish tradition. And let's make sure we do this right. Like so many people just don't even care if they get it right or not. And until now, we, we haven't really spoken out and said, hey, you, you have to do better. So kudos to you for working so hard make sure well that we were look we were speaking to do better <laughs> we were speaking out um we just didn't quite know how to reach the right people once we started getting introductions and email addresses then we started uh getting yeah. to the no, right but I'm people saying a lot of people were probably just yelling at their screens right no action and you're actually yeah. taking action correct and correct yeah and i want to also express um so much gratitude to the production team to netflix um, uh, you know, my praise on Jewish representation is not given out easily. Um, and it's given, <laughs> it's given out because I, I want, I want, it's so important. It is just so important for our pride and for our safety and for our continuity, um, to be, you know, given that same respect as everyone else. So, um, we have to wrap it up now, but Runit, uh, you should have continued Hatzlacha. Um, I'm hoping there's going to be a season two because, you know, there are unfinished, there are unfinished stories. Um, and you and know, we so like many people come over to me and say, I want to be on season two. You know, now that they heard that there's a show. And, you know. Wait, season two should be called the chuppah. We should get some juice for the chuppah. <laughs> season three can be the babies. Um, and uh, yeah, con continued success in everything. Um, and come back for part two. We will be speaking to the shotgun, Aliza. And uh, thanks so much for watching. You can catch the same time, same place next week. Bye-bye.